And we are now live uh, on this session with Jill. Uh, Jill is a senior climate change specialist at the World Bank and is here with us for 20 minutes to discuss well, climate change, I'm sure, but also other things. So, Jill, thank you so much for being with us. And uh, maybe to kickstart, if I could ask you to introduce yourself. Thank you so much, Roma. Um, pleasure to be with you on this vodcast. Um, as, as you said, I'm, I work at the World Bank as a senior climate specialist in the climate change group or division. Um, and right now I, I work um, primarily um, in supporting uh, countries to fulfill their NDCs and um, work towards their long-term strategies as part of the climate support facility, which um, finances um, this kind of work. Um, as a sub-duty, I'm also looking at how we at the World Bank can move towards um, measuring our actual impacts on climate change on the ground um, in our projects. Right now, all of the um, multilateral and bilateral banks um, look at financing for climate change as a proxy for how much work we're doing in that space. And what we'd like to do is move towards actually measuring what impact we're having on the ground. So in short, that's what I work on. And I, in my back earlier background is in forestry. Um, so I've moved a little bit away from that space, but it's still close to my heart. Wow, that's, that's, that's a lot of things. That's very interesting. Listen, there is no, there's no need to say that climate change is at the heart of all the you know, concerns and a lot of projects, including the project that our audience uh, and our members here uh, are very interested in. Um, if, if I could kickstart, you mentioned NDCs, um, which may be something very familiar when you work at the World Bank, but for the people less familiar with that, could you please explain quickly um, what are they exactly? Do they come from you know, COP26 or the Paris Agreement? Uh, are they just like targets to reduce emissions? That's the sort of first side of my question. And if that's correct, or if you specify otherwise, you're going to let us know. Um, how is this climate support facility helping countries to, to achieve those targets? You know, is it through dedicated projects? Is it through policy? Is it a mix of both? I, I think it would be a good intro to, to kickstart on this topic. Thanks for um, those probing questions, Roma. Um, just to, I guess, bring it right back to definitions and the conference of parties. Um, to the climate change agreement. Um, yes, um, the NDCs are, are really important or the nationally determined contributions. They're, um, they're determined by countries. Um, it's very much bottom up. Um, countries set their own targets um, in terms of how much, um, how, how they'd like to contribute to emissions reductions overall globally. Um, but the other side of the coin, adaptation, is also usually treated in the NDCs. And for some countries um, is actually features more prominently um, where, where they're low emitters, for example, and where they might be a lot more exposed to um, climate change effects. So, um, you know, if you look like, if you look at countries, for example, in sub-Saharan Africa, mm -hmm. generally speaking, they're, they're skewed a little bit more to the adaptation side. Um, unfortunately, um, depending on the capacity of the countries that we're talking about um, and their um, 
resources concordantly that they're able to devote to developing their NDCs. Um, some of these are very high level targets and plans, but mm-hmm. don't necessarily, necessarily drill down to what this would mean in specific sectors, which is where you actually would have a plan of action and relevant policies to guide the directions both in the public sector and in the private sector to um, to actually move the needle and, yeah. and have action towards climate yeah. change. So where we come in is um, actually the CSF is, is a funny constellation because we're, we're picking up a little bit from where um, the NDC support facility left off and, and their, their legacy is, is what we're actually building upon. Um, so the NDC support facility is actually part of our larger, we now call them umbrella trust funds. It's a bit too banky, but part of our architecture and it's now closing down and picking up from that, what we're now trying to do is not just support countries in updating their NDCs, which um, a lot of, again, when we're talking about limited resources and personnel in some of these ministries, we'd rather put the focus on how do we turn the NDCs into plans of action and um, focus on the analytical work that will actually inform the kinds of changes that will be needed. So um, it's funny that you mentioned projects or analytical work, we kind of do a little bit of both. Um, And in addition to that, what we're trying to do now, which is our, um, you know, our new flagship program under our umbrella is the whole of economy program. So what we're trying to look at also is elevating this agenda to the ministries of finance and planning, of course, and trying to look at what climate change will mean for these economies at a national scale, what kinds of fiscal policies will be needed, what kinds of subsidy reform will be needed, um, and just bringing it up to that level. And and interestingly, um, you know, our sectoral colleagues, sectoral colleagues are are very well-versed in this agenda, um, at least on the mitigation side, perhaps not all as well on the adaptation side, which hasn't been the focus as much. but um, our, our macro, macro economists and our poverty colleagues, although they're aware of this, it's very interesting, you know, in, in economics language, they don't always have the concepts to actually incorporate this thinking. So we're trying to figure out how we sort of bring that knowledge to bear and translate it into terms that are meaningful for them. And then also have them take this up in their modeling so that um, they can come up with, um, you know, scenarios and, and, and um, the policy planning that would be necessary to actually take these actions. So it's, um, that was very long winded, but sort of long story short, just trying to elevate that one notch higher. Yeah. 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 It's very complex, but it it totally makes sense. Um, so just to make sure I understand and we all understand, and right. I don't want to paraphrase you because I think you explained it very clearly and, and with much detail. So thank you for that. But the the previous approach uh, was maybe a bit more sectoral with the NDC and and the um, uh, climate support facility, which you call CSF. Um, 
but now this how do you call that concept the whole of economy um, exactly yeah, exactly is to to bring it to like a more um yeah country impact level with like the impact on the entire economy which um makes me think that maybe it's like a more efficient way to tackle climate change and its impact but it also must be more complex right because um i'll take an example that is uh, close to the the ex my experience and some experience of our members um you would take uh, transport okay it's a very uh i would say um traditional sector for uh, adaptation you take some transportation asset or infrastructure assets uh, at large and you find measures to um adapt those assets to like you know to future proof them or to make them more resilient etc that's been like a long-term approach for that thing. But bringing those, those objective or projects at the, at the higher level of the economy and have a model that, that maybe doesn't only talk about the infrastructure resilience, but maybe, I don't know, the circular economy or the whole life cycle cost and the impact on the entire economy. That makes the, the problem more complex to address. Is that correct? So um, I guess it's a bit of a both end and it's, it's a bit of a conundrum. Um, it's, I guess what, what we've been seeing is obviously we can make inroads on a sector by sector basis, mm -hmm. but, you know, one-off projects aren't going to make a huge difference yeah. in the yeah. scheme of things. So they're great in terms of piloting and, and showing, you know, the private sector what is possible in certain country contexts, right? Or, um, you know, creating the enabling environment, you know, when, when we say we want to switch, you know, transition to renewables, we obviously need a grid, a different kind of grid for that, right? That's more yeah. flexible, yeah. that can, you know, take different inputs, etc. And so that's where we come in, you know, we can come in with supporting lending for the grid, but then hoping that the private sector comes in and puts a wind farm here and a solar farm there and or that it's decentralized, right? But we can help with the initial investment for infrastructure, right? Um, but what we're trying to look at on the whole of economy level, I guess up here as well, mm -hmm. is you know what are the overall risks, also risks for the financial sector in that country? You know, stranded assets. We have, you know, if you look at, you know, just a randomly a country I know a little bit better. Let's say Gabon, right? Which which is blessed with, um, you know, fossil fuel resources, but what will that look like in a, in a new energy economy, right? Wow. They're, they're wow. stranded with these, that, that, um, that has helped them grow to a certain level, right? But will that help them in the future or will they be stuck with this and, and wow. who's going to buy it? And what will that look like? For example, yeah. um, and uh, with other, other countries, you know, that have, you know, other, other kinds of um, resources, other kinds of sectors that are very strong, what will the future climate hold for them, you know, and trying to, trying to aggregate that up. Um, so I guess the, the peril, the flip side of this is you're right, this can start to look complex and maybe lose, you know, the, you know, one argument against could be, you know, what's the utility in this? Is this just a theoretical exercise Will this turn into something helpful for, for these client governments? Um, I would argue, 
you know, I'm an optimist. I would argue, yes, you know, you need, you need, you need this kind of information, um, you know, to make better, more informed decisions, right? So what we're trying to do as best we can, because we don't have, we don't have an eight ball and we can't predict the future is we're hoping that this will help build a pipeline of future lending and future policy support and lending so that this is sort of helping this dialogue move forward because yes. we've somehow we've been stuck, right? Like, like, you know, you know, you come from transport, so you're dealing with these physical assets, as you yes. mentioned, and, and you know what this means, you know, that, you know, in certain places where there are cyclones or, where there you might get flooding, you need to make sure that whatever built infrastructure you have there is resistant to the one in 100 year or one in a thousand year event. Like that's part of the way that you think is sort of having this engineering background. But um, interestingly, you know, Ministry of of Finance, they don't think on those timescales, right? And, you know, they're also... um, Another aspect, um, not to, you know, to drag this out, but another aspect is also we're looking at the political economy, right? You know, what's sort of holding some actors back and, and how can we influence that for the better, you know, that countries don't get left behind, that we give, that we give them support to get this new infrastructure, you know, that they're not locked in, you know, we call that carbon lock-in, right? That they're not locked into the old infrastructure, but rather the newest and what's, you know, what's out there basically yeah. no no so. it makes sense all of that makes sense you 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 already convinced me at the beginning of your answer when you said well maybe more complex but the old way of doing is not efficient enough to answer the climate emergency that's what you're saying and and i can recognize that i've been working on some projects in various role in transport where i know that the project had a positive impact vis-a-vis climate change but I know that within the big picture, that, that was not substantially important or important enough to really make a difference, to move the needle. And you said that at the beginning. And, and I thought about what you say, and I understand that. It's, there is a need, with my own words now, what you're saying, I, I feel like I could say there's a need for a more transformative vision of like what the economy is and how a country wants to grow. It's not only asset by asset or sector by sector. It's a, I, I like that you mentioned that again, so I'm just taking yours, but like the, the macro level vision needs to be more important to really be effective, right? Exactly, exactly. And, and just also to make sure that everyone's on the same page and going in the same direction, you know, that you don't have a very advanced agriculture sector and that other sectors get left behind, you know, and, and also answering um, some of these critical questions, like which sectors to prioritize first, you know, in this emergency situation and, yeah. Yeah. and who will be impacted and to what degree and, you know, what will this mean for poverty, et cetera, all those like larger countrywide questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Another benefit I see as well in this is, um, I see a lot right now on the on the private financier side, a lot of appetite for green projects. You know, um, uh, just uh, there are a few large consultancy firms in in the UK and Europe in general who say like they hire massively a, a large amount of uh, uh, climate specialists because their ESG, ESG strategy now is at the core of everything they do in investment of assets, etc. But what they miss actually 
while they're very focused on deals because you know those are private investors and they are required, right? As as a lot of the World Bank literature have shown, like to to really boost the growth and, and like crowning some capital. Um, but what they miss is the macro vision again. So I, I really appreciate what what you say of this uh, new way of whole economy to look at the macro, and then that is going to be the umbrella for which after there are some you know drivers or some specific deals or specific uh, asset that needs to be invested in. But before that, there's still this thinking, um, uh, holistic thinking to really think before just like rushing into project execution and deals, et cetera, right? That's that's another way I can I can think of. No, exactly. And, and so that you have, you know, your left hand talking to your right hand ultimately, because um, there is an interesting, I can, I can point you towards those resources afterwards. I don't have them off the tip of my tongue, but there have been a lot of interesting um, macro studies on, um, you know, the weird um, counterintuitive effects of certain kinds of investments versus existing perverse subsidies in certain countries that, you know, in one sector, you might be really pushing forward and, and um, modernizing and becoming, um, you know, more efficient less emissive, et cetera, but then all the while um, not taking into account the effects of other subsidies impacting other sectors, which might actually tip the balance towards having more emissions. So it's also about doing this across the board and and taking a real hard look at um, the setup in a given economy, you know, and things that might be might have been missed before. And and that exercise, is it part of the what you mentioned at the beginning, your introduction of your subset of activity of measuring that impact, right? Beyond just what is allocated for climate change, but try to really have, uh, I don't know, indicators across the board. Is that part of that as well? Um, so it's um, right now, there are, I guess, two distinct pieces of work, but the logic is similar in that um, on, on that more analytical piece of work, um, it's it's a bit more of um, what you were talking about, about how um, on a project by project basis, you can have positive impact. So that's one thing you could measure, right, is, is the impact of the project as such. Yeah. And then um, what we're looking at is what is the project beyond that? What is the project creating in that sector or in that particular country's economy? Wow. You know, how is it impacting... So beyond just the project as such, what is it doing? You know, is it like, like I said, are you creating an enabling environment, which is a lot more powerful than, um, which is not to say that, you know, lending to create, you know, a solar installation is, is not positive, but it's not as powerful because it's sort of a one-off, right? And you hope that there will be copycats, et cetera, but it's like its own thing. Um, But then creating a grid is enabling right and it's more powerful um, maybe for the country maybe even for the region right so or the sub-region so um it's it's a bit that logic you know how how um impactful how catalytic you know something something can be and oh, then that makes sense that. yeah that makes sense um the the engineer in me still thinks in terms of uh, challenges for implementation because as you said, I, I absolutely agree with what you said. I just like that—that that makes sense. That was absolutely clear. Um, 
the one-off projects um, may be less impactful. But again, I'm not even talking about the complexity of the design, but the execution, you know. And now is climate emergency, you know. Sometimes the emergency fund, like there was for COVID, where the World Bank, but also others, deployed uh, uh, a very large support in a record time to try to help all those economies. Um, now the same message, uh, I hear the same message for the climate emergencies, uh, but I know by experience, again, with my experience as an engineer, that it does take time to then conceptualize at the macro level those approaches, then create a project that is under that with different stakeholders, including the private sector, then designing the project, then there's the tender, there's the procurement, and then the execution. Um, so I I'm not sure we're going to answer that, that question uh, today. Um, and maybe it's, it's for another uh, session, another podcast, but um, I'm, always, I'm always questioning the balance between, you know, how large your impact is and how quickly you can achieve results. I, I understand the transformative effect of a grid over the long run, uh, but with, because we have climate and emergencies and all the data shows that if we don't do something yesterday, uh, we go in the, in the wrong course, right, of the different scenarios. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's, it's not even a, a question. It's more sort of a comment uh, for maybe if you have some thoughts on, on this one. So I, I guess, you know, it's always easiest to go after the low hanging fruit, right? It's always, and, and, and yes, all of this is, you know, I'm, I'm spelling it out in very easy terms and, and we're talking still a little bit at a higher level and not about the practicalities on the ground. So yes, obviously, you know, all of these things require lengthy consultation processes and and design timeframes and, and all of that jazz and obviously procurement, right? Um, safeguards, et cetera. Um, but, and, and I don't think, I'm not trying to diminish the, the one-off because I think, you know, the one-off has a huge positive impact on the locality, right? And the people sure. living around there. And, and so it's, we need to continue to do both. And we will, because obviously we also can't, can't impose on sovereign countries, you know, we're, you know, we'd like to, to show them what's possible, right? And, and inspire, inspire, right? Yep. Inspire, right? But we, you know, it's up to them what they'd like to prioritize ultimately, right? So, oh, okay. so we just try to give them, you know, they're a toolkit that's helpful, Yep. And hope that they they come to certain decisions and priorities that that work well for them in their context because you know we don't live there and how are we to know all of those specific details Absolutely. right um, as yeah. as sort of technocrats right yeah well, um, as, an, as an expert as you said yourself that that totally makes sense yeah yeah you 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 have the expertise and and data and and you make your case the same way you've done it to explain uh, to us during during that session. Um, but then, of course, uh, you. I, I think it's clear for our audience that uh, countries are sovereign, and they can just either be inspired or be advised. Or, but but what I really appreciate in that work is like the the open dialogue. You know, at the end, it's a sort of a platform for discussion. There are best practices. There are examples that you can showcase, and then you try to build a relationship uh, with those uh, countries and to. Well, to yeah, to show that there is a way, and then up to them to uh, to go for the implementation and the way they want. Absolutely. 
And and if I can just quickly, I I mean, I guess I'm I'm based in the United States, the United States, which is a pretty privileged part of the world, right? Um, but we can see right in our backyard, you know, if you build it, they will come. You know, there's all this um, uh, all this new electric car infrastructure all over the place. And there's so many more electric vehicles on the road. And they're not just the fancy Teslas. You see all kinds now on the road. So, so you yeah. see that, that, that policy followed by smart investing creates that enabling environment, you know, that you can make this shift. So, so I think, you know, we just, we'd like to see that everywhere else, you know, that, that, um, that you, you give people the, the options to have this, this amazing technology um, and create that enabling environment. Uh, absolutely. And you mentioned, you mentioned the U.S., but, but not only. Um, we have another session in this series where uh, an expert from the U.N. based in Nairobi is going to talk about electric mobility in Africa and in Kenya, notably. So absolutely. No, no, that's, that's a very positive message um, uh, to end that session. We already went uh, over time because it was so interesting. There's so much to cover on climate change. Um, but I'm sure we'll have an opportunity to do uh, another session with you. So for the time being, Jill, thank you so, so much. That was so much appreciated. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your expertise. And thank you a bit for sharing the vision and the approach on climate change. Thank you. Thank you very much, Roma, for the opportunity. And thank you to those of you who are listening in the audience.